the first use case you think about blockchain is payments, right? So that's the first thing you want to you want to do is show that you can secure a payment mechanism, just like Visa, Mastercard, but much more secure without middlemen, take away the fees, uh, offers economies of scale. So the more people use it, the cheaper it gets. The, the way we view the future of value in the long term, three to five to ten years, we view. Layer one blockchains will essentially become like the new republics. These will be the new mechanisms where all the value is going to proliferate to the future. There'll be the layer one blockchain, there'll be the mining market, there'll be the dApps, and there'll be tokens. So the lower you get in the stack, the uh, lower risk you have, but the lower rewards. The highest risk reward will be on the layer one blockchain because that's where all the value will, will, will flow up. But it's highest value, highest risk. We view layer one blockchains, which is Bitcoin, Cisco, and Ethereum, as court systems. They need to be combative to the external forces that we don't control, even in the software world. In the real world, like inflation, hyperinflation, wars, these systems need to be secure from that. And this is why we view Bitcoin as the gold standard for security and decentralization. What else does the world need? You know, what else does the world cherish when you have something like Bitcoin? How can we extend that to something else where we can take advantage to build real world utility? This is where Ethereum comes in. For me, Ethereum is a gold standard for flexibility or general computation. We're trying to stick to the gold standards. We know the world's going to cherish and, and develop on and we put those two concepts together. And this is what Cisco is. What's up, people? Hotep Jesus, we back. For those that don't know who I am, I am. That Hotep Jesus dude. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Shout out to my sponsor, Syscoin. Big announcement today. Go to syscoin.org, check the blog. It's officially been announced. Um, Hotep Jesus has endorsed Syscoin. Make sure you go check out Syscoin. Um, if you got in when I told you I got in a few weeks ago, I think it was at 13 cents and it's been hovering between 16 and 17. I think it hit a high of 20 cents at some point. This is not financial advice, but um, yeah, it seems to be a, a good mechanism to uh, get rid of some of your USD, as I like to refer to investing. You know, investing is all about getting rid of the dollar beating inflation, right? Anyway, I have a wonderful guest for you today, Mr. John Fitch. What's up, bro? Nothing much. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's good to have you, bro. Um, I'm glad we had have a have a chance to have this talk. And uh, you know, like I told you, we talk about politics a lot on this channel. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk a little bit of masculinity too. I just, you know, I um, I kind of hate the masculinity space right now. It's uh, it's pretty whack. Um. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of pretenders out there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of pretenders, a lot of bad information, and uh, it's just kind of yep. saturated and uh, not really but, productive. You know, I'll, I'll say that a lot of the issues that we're having in politics today are a direct result of the lack of of men being and behaving like men. Mm. What do you we think? We have a generation of men who are raised to be defective women. And we're all suffering for it. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think I, is the cause of that? Men um, have lost kind of that, you know, that center point of origin, you know, and they're all making decisions to get a pat on the head from a woman. Making decisions to get a pat on the head from a woman. Interesting. They all want mommy to love them more. So what are, what are they supposed to be striving towards if it's not a pat on the head from a woman? A pat on the head for themselves. They need to be internally looking for what they need to make themselves happy and what's best for them and their people. Mm, mm. But isn't this whole life thing about men and women? Yeah, men and women are definitely better together. Yeah. So, but, you know, you, on the on the other side of that, you have women have been raised as defective men, right? So right. there's this this man. <laughs> so, so mental health crisis is people who are, are choosing to live their lives opposed to their own biology. So what is exactly wrong with wanting a pat on the head from a woman? There's something inherently wrong with that. I mean, you if know, you're guys, if you're destroying yourself and your life and and cucking yourself, mm. so to speak, um, just to get approval from someone else, that's not a good thing. Mm. So you're saying men are somehow uh, destroying themselves for, you know, how are they destroying themselves for female approval? How is that happening? Are they neglecting themselves? That kind of seems counterintuitive. Um, not, I mean, I guess I said, uh, you know, not, not going on a path that they, they truly desire, not doing the things that they truly want, not doing the things that are truly rewarding to them. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they make choices based off of, will this get me approval? Will this give me approval from, from this, this woman that I want from mm. these women? Like what, like what, what are, what are they doing? Um, buying her food and drinks or something or what? what, <laughs> what? Oh man. Uh, what are some of the things that I guess involves cuckery and, um, you know, that men are doing, uh, to get approval from women? The, the uh the need to have i don't know man how i put it they need uh put kind of an emphasis emphasis on kind of the feelings of things how does this make people feel Mm. rather than you know this is gonna hurt everybody's feeling but it's the best for everybody Mm. Mm. take take uh homelessness for example okay it's a major problem yeah it's a major problem i'm in california it's a major problem like I bought a big ass dog because we have a homeless camp within walking distance of my house. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't take much for somebody to kick in a window and, and be in the house. We've had people, you know, it's a townhouse situation where there's a garage and then a space where people have backyards and we have the fences, you know, divide the yards and then it, it gets to the houses. People mm-hmm. have scaled the garage to go into the backyard and then force their way through the sliding doors. Mm. Okay. Well, Something needs to be done. The feminine approach is to, you know, set up porta potties outside the camps and hand washing stations. Uh, I think a more masculine approach would be to put them in a facility somewhere uh, where they can not harm or take away from society and start working on skills, uh, get medical treatment, that type of stuff. You know, we we shut down the. Uh, the inst- the uh, the asylums a long time ago. Yeah, we we need not exactly the asylums brought back, but some form of 
you know, place where these people can be housed and uh, kind of reintroduced in society, given skills, given the opportunity to do something with themselves. Uh, a re-education gulag. <laughs> uh, not, not necessarily re-education, but in a sense, uh, a re, um, you know, self, uh, uh, what would you call it? Like self-dependency. Yeah, I, you, know, you don't I, want a job. You don't want to work. You don't want to be part of society. Then maybe teach them how to hunt and fish. Yeah, yeah. I I have a similar because um, you know the feeling is okay. Um, it it's mean. It's mean to like say these things. It's mean to do that. We need to be nice. Mm -hmm. Well, nice isn't cutting it. Nice isn't helping anybody. Is nice and doing nice things helping anybody get off the streets? Right. I think maybe tough love is is what's necessary. Absolutely. That's how I feel about uh, Medicare, um, mm. the medical system, welfare system. You know, yep. I have this theory or philosophy where, um, you know, you wouldn't be able to get any government assistance unless you uh, entered and completed certain uh, job training programs. Oh, that's that's yeah, that sounds very reasonable. That's very uh um, rational. It's very analytical, but it's mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People just want the handouts. How, how dare you suggest that people work for something? Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the super chat. We'll get the super chats, uh, at the end, uh, go ahead, ask questions and comments in the super chats. Yeah. You know, th this whole idea of, um, you know, handouts, I think, uh, creates dependency. And um, yep. robs people of their power, robs people of their independence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's uh, one of the democratic ploys. You know, uh, mm -hmm. like Sonny Johnson has taught us, she says, um, yeah, Democrats are uh, the party of the poor, but you can't be the party of the poor unless there's poor. So um, it's basically uh, planned obsolescence where, you know, these uh, people uh, want a lower class, mm -hmm. um, dependent on to give, uh, the demon rats, um, purpose. And, uh, it, it's very disgusting, but going back to the topic about masculinity, tell me what you think about my theory. I believe that, um, the, the things that, um, really destroyed masculinity was, uh, drugs, alcohol, and war. Um, you know, in a sense, I can see what you're saying, because who goes to war? The most most brave and most patriotic. Yeah. It also it also um, a lot of the poor. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a good way to. It's also a good way for the, the champagne liberals and the uh, the uh, the ruling class to eliminate the largest threats to their control. Mm. Mm. The masculine yeah. energy. If you kill off all the masculine fighters and you kill off the poor people, it's a lot harder to have an uprising. Yeah. Who's going to protect the household? I saw that with Black Lives Matter, you know, their website under the villages section before the rebrand or the, before they hid the evidence. It said mothers, parents, children. And I was like, oh, they admitted fathers. Wow. This is this is yep. rather interesting. Um, And uh, I, I, I. um. I brought that to people's attention and I was lambasted in the early days. They said, oh, you're just hating, you know, you're this, you're that. And I'm like, no, like you guys can't see the agenda. And of course that's come. Do you ever, 
run into any vitriol um, from people who say, uh, you know, you know, you probably get called a white supremacist or white nationalist for your opinions because you lean more right. Do you ever run into stuff like that? Uh, I mean, I get attacked from all sides because I don't, I don't really, you know, conform. Throw my throw all my weight into one side. Mm. You know, because to me, a lot of the conservatives are just liberals in the slow lane. Uh oh, oh Lord have mercy. Like what? What is what have conservatives conserved? Have they conserved the First Amendment? Have they conserved the Second Amendment? How about the Fourth Amendment? Have any of those things been conserved in your lifetime? Not in mine. When I was a little kid, people could buy machine guns, fully automatic. That's not available to us anymore. Now they're trying to take away our assault, or not even, they're not assault rifles, our ARs. They're trying to take away our, our hunting rifles. Yeah. Our self-defense rifles. Mm. It, which is just a ridiculous argument anyways. That's a whole other topic, but like... You, we we out we out the American people outgun all of the world's militaries <laughs> like two to one. Yeah. Do you, do you have a a theory on why conservatives have failed um, in conservative by design? Oh, by design. What is people this? at the top? I think they're all. I mean, when when do the Democrats and Republicans vote the same on the same topics? Oh. Mm. It's always the same stuff, mm. raising taxes and going to war. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the, the gun debate is something that could have been seized up a long time ago by the right. You could have could have ended the discussion a long time ago, but they don't because it's a carrot. It's a carrot on the stick. If you don't vote for us, they're going to take your guns away. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, the Democrats know that they can never take all the guns away. There's too many just floating around. They'll never be able to seize all of them. Mm-hmm. So that's another carrot they're dangling on the other side. Those two parties, two, they're just dangling carrots. Oh, we're going to take the guns away. No, we're going to stop them from taking the guns away. Mm. There's like 400 million guns that we know of that are registered. There's probably another 400 million we don't know about. And now you have uh, 3D printed guns. Right. We've seen the gun buyback uh, programs getting shut down in a lot of places because guys are showing up with boxes of, of, of 3D printed guns, walking out with thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, some guy walked away with 20K the other day in New York, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They say, yeah, and then they go, hey, we're not buying ghost guns anymore. You know, hey, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous argument. I mean, there was, um, you can make pipe shotguns. Like, there, was a, there was a buyback program where the, the inner city kids were stealing pipes from uh buildings condemned buildings and then creating pipe shotguns you just you, you bang it like this and it's enough to shoot you know hit the charge and shoot the shotgun shell mm. you know they spent zero dollars and they were able to spend and, and and they were able to make a gun with stuff they stole mm. and they sold it back to <laughs> to the gun buyback program for a hundred 150 dollars mm. i'm mad i ain't thinking that you know abe japan you can't get a gun in japan Right. There's no guns floating around in Japan. Like even the Yakuza guys don't really have guns. The police don't have guns. But that guy was able to make a pipe gun. He made two. Hmm. From so, parts that are bought bought basically at a Home Depot or a Lowe's. And was able to kill the president. Do you think everyone should have guns? I think everybody should be trained. I think I think um gun safety and understanding how guns work should be a part of um, our elementary school programs. Mm. You should you should be teaching kids. They should know. They should understand what a gunshot is. 
Mm. I got locked in a movie theater here in San Jose for four and a half hours because there was a reported gun. There was a fight outside and a reported gunshot. They didn't find any shell casings. They didn't find the shooter. Like they didn't find anything. I'm guessing there was a gun. There was a backfire of a car and mm. people freaked out because they don't, they've never heard what a gunshot sounds like. Yeah. It's very distinct when you've heard it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the super chat. We don't get the super chats at the end. We appreciate you for the rest of you people that haven't sent the super chat and stop grifting. So let me be devil's advocate here. There are some people who shouldn't have guns, right? Like maybe children. Um, yeah. Mentally. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like on what, what level? Like I read this book to my kids. It's a book about Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the book, he was eight years old and it was his job to go out into the woods and hunt and bring back food for his family. He was eight. Okay. Like he, he had that, that was his job. Hey, make sure we eat tonight, Abe. Here's the shotgun. Go out in the woods by yourself where there are still mountain lions and bears around. Yeah. And, and get his food. But like, we, we can't. I can't let my eight-year-old play out in the front lawn today because uh, somebody might snatch him. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely in um in different it's a times. Weird place. We're in yeah. a weird place. We are in a weird place. So, what about um, the mentally unstable? Right. I think that's a very gray yep. area because yeah. on 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 uh you know one side of the argument you have these red flag laws where it's like if my neighbor cusses me out and he's got guns i can say hey i feel threatened go take his guns right it's like you know so what is that threshold where we define someone as mentally unstable uh, Mm -hmm. not to be able to have guns because we've seen shootings um recently this year where clearly the dude's like mentally unstable and Mm -hmm. he and he murders people you know we've seen a school shooting uvalde etc etc Well, you know, how, how many, yeah, like for one of these things is like, they never do enough investigating on like, how many of these crimes are committed by legal gun owners for one? Yeah. You know, did the person who committed the crime actually go but through let's, the process? Let's, let's, let's pretend that there is no law, right? Everybody could walk okay. around with guns, right? Yeah. And well, if everybody's trained, everybody's um, capable of using a gun, everybody knows how they work. And everybody's carrying one on their hip. What, what's the what's the chances of that guy, crazy guy, being able to do what he does? Like yeah. we see crazy people. Like there are trained people who are going to see that crazy person. Keep an eye on them. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a student that I, I have privates with. He noticed a car that didn't look like it belonged in the neighborhood. Right. He he walks by, peeks in. Guy's smoking crack. He. Starts a conversation with him with his knife in his hand, saying, "Hey, how you doing? What's going on today?" Yeah, like the guy was casing and watching women walking down the street. He has trunk open. He was probably trying to take somebody. Yeah, right. So somebody who had situational awareness, who was willing to act, caused that guy to like leave. The mm. guy had a little bit of a breakdown in the car and then left. Mm. Okay, problem averted. Maybe nothing was going on, but still, mm. you know. Um, People being able to take care of themselves, people individually being able to to uh, to stop violence or inflict violence when necessary, I think is something that helps keep everyone safe. Hmm. 
What about guns in a school zone? If uh, well, look how the disaster is now with not having guns in a school zone, sitting ducks. You, you, you tell me, you know, in the rich schools, rich schools have paid security. Yeah, and those guys are armed. Yeah. How many? How many? Uh, how many private schools have there been mass shootings at? Mm. You know, the rich kids whose parents are paying fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars a year. Have we had any mass shootings in those schools? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good point. What about kids? Do you think the kids should be coming to school with a firearm on the hip? Every kid. Uh, man, I grew up in the '90s. I went to high school in the '90s. Right. Um, we had regularly guys drove their trucks to school and had shotguns in their gun rack on the back of the school. They had where, where guns in their glove compartments. This is Indiana. Okay, Indiana. Yeah. Okay. We never had an issue. Guys went out and hunted in the morning. Parked the truck. Trucks weren't locked. Or you could walk out in the in the in the in the in the parking lot and grab people's guns if you wanted to. No one ever did that. Not one time did somebody touch another person's gun. Hmm. Not one time was there a shooting. Not one single incident ever. Hmm. You know the 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 craziest thing that ever happened was uh, as a senior prank somebody killed a deer, gutted it, and put it on somebody else's hood. <laughs> Okay, so there there's some something about the culture. Right <laughs> yeah, it is. They also they also used to do uh like the FFA guys, uh, Future Farmers of America. They they had a day where they would everybody would drive their tracker to school. Okay, you know I don't think they're allowed to do that stuff anymore. But like, mm. I grew up with this. It was regular. It was normal. Like people were responsible. People like were trained and took care of each other. Yeah, something happened. Something's changed. It's mm. not the gun. You know, there's something there's something wrong yeah. with the way we're raising people, the way we're interacting with each other. That's changed since at least the 90s. That's the next point I was going to go to. It seems like there's a problem with wrong with the culture. Right? Yes, you could have um, the culture, one, the food. Yeah, like that, that could be a big part of it. You know, eating, eating things, drinking things that are messing you up. Because, you know, for example, if you pulled up in uh, my hometown, North New Jersey, and mm -hmm. um, you had a shotgun in the back and you left your door unlocked, man, the, 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 the car and the gun's gone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And once upon a time, I probably would have took it, <laughs> you know, um, especially the firearm, because that's, you mm. know, that's worth a pretty penny. I could take it right down the street, sell that and then, yeah. you know, go, mm -hmm. go cop me a pack of something to flip, you know. Um, so it seems like there's something culturally wrong where in one part of the United States, you could leave your doors unlocked in another part of the country. Uh, you can't. And obviously there's a difference between country life and city life, rural life mm -hmm. and, and, and city life and even yep. suburban life. Right. What do you what do you think if you had to take a guess uh, or you had a theory on uh, what went wrong with our culture? Because even when you look back on the 50s, it was very similar to that, where you could sort mm -hmm. of leave your your doors unlocked, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think America went wrong to where now um, our society is uh, uh like that where where things are unsafe the families have been destroyed mm. the families have been destroyed and people aren't raising their own children that's that's my that's my big take the idea that 
working some job that keeps you out of the house and keeps you away from your children is somehow somehow superior. Why? So you can buy things to impress other people you don't even know or don't even like. Doesn't make any sense to me. It's never made sense to me. That's why I I went down this road. I didn't want to have a boss. I didn't want to, you know, have to spend my days eight, 10 hours a day working to spend a couple hours at night with my kids. Like, no, that's, that's backwards. Like I want to have kids and spend time with my kids and then I'll figure out ways to make money for us to get by. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I don't understand the mindset. Everybody's been kind of brainwashed into thinking this modern way of living is the right way. And I think it's completely backwards. I spent a ton of time thinking about the culture of the family. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm on my um, fourth birth fourth child and you got uh four? yeah i got four nice i got two i'm looking to have more yeah me too i want like six more um awesome. yeah but you know i'm i'm looking at the mistakes you know each each uh each birth right each each generation that i've created and um i get better and better right but there's something missing and I've uh, ventured into Asian culture to figure out yeah. how to fix it, <laughs> right? So, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I have a, uh, another channel, Hotep Chess, and we play chess over there, and we have a, a Chinese kid in the class. So I asked him, you know, like, how do your parents discipline you? You know, like, this is how bad it's gotten to where I'm asking a, a 12-year-old boy, Chinese boy, how to raise my kids, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and and, and I, I feel like there's something missing. And I want you to tell me, you know, how you how you would, you know, create the perfect culture or near perfect culture for a household. But I I feel like there's something missing uh, at beginning at dawn. From the time we wake up, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's an order of operations that need to happen to create a certain culture. And I've even looked at, you know, Islamic culture and Islamic culture seems to be producing uh very fine kids asian culture producing very fine kids mm-hmm. and um you know islam they pray five times a day and i think that has a lot to do mm-hmm. with their success you know because mm-hmm. praying five times a day is going to breed some sort of humility which is mm-hmm. going to uh you know keep the ego ego bridled uh at least somewhat how would it you... Keep you it keeps you restrained in a sense too yeah um because i was having this yeah i was having this talk recently um, we were watching the Dahmer series okay. and his grandmother was asking him to go to church or whatever. And, uh, one of the guys who were sitting there watching it kind of laughed or scoffed at that and started thinking about it. And I was like, well, you know, if, if he would have made the commitment to go to church on Sunday with his grandma, that that's at least one day that he wouldn't have been drinking. He would have had to gone to bed early enough on Saturday to get to church you know, because it was if like forced him into a routine routine that wasn't like a degenerate action. So I, I could I could see value in that. And if yeah. you're you know Islam, you're praying five times a day. The Asian cultures seem like they have their kids so busy doing stuff, they don't have time <laughs> to dick around. Like they got music class, dance class, math class, something else. Yeah, and then the rest of school. Yeah. Yeah, the Chinese kid in my chess class, he's he he's in the chess club. He plays piano and he does tennis. So it's just like 
you know, and he's an A student. So it's, it's, it's like they keep them um, super busy. And, um, you know, so when I when I started doing my research, the little bit I've I've uh, been inspired to do, I noticed that um, and I could be completely wrong. But from my brief research, it's the woman that is sort of instilling a, a sort of discipline in the, in the child, at least for the Chinese that I saw in mm-hmm. the um, Tiger moms. Yeah. And so, you know, so when I think about, you know, how we create better children in this world, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, then it's, it's a, a lot of the responsibilities up to women. Um, I know back in the, um, at least the, the early, the early years. Yes. Yeah. Like, like I was going to say, like, you know, early, you know, Holy Roman empire, you know, before the boys went off to learn how to fight, I believe at the age of seven or 12 or something like that, they spent a lot of time with their mom and then their mm. father took them in the, in the later years and sort yeah. of groomed them into a man. So w- I, I think that's a big part of it is the nurturing that happens early in life when like that was a reason why I made a lot of good choices and I, and, and I just decided not to make the bad choices because you know, a lot of people have the, the devil and the, the angel on your shoulder, yeah. you know, so I, I had my mother, <laughs> on my shoulder right. and my father on my shoulder. And it was like, I didn't want to do the bad choice. Cause I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint my mom. And that was coming from the fact that my mom was always there when I was young, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a little kid and I was, had to make the choice between a good thing or a bad thing. She was watching, you know, and taking that with me. So that's something that I've tried to do with my kids is like, just be there, just be present, you know, let them see me do the work. Let them let them be a part of those things. Like let them see me struggle. Let them see me conquer. Um, I'm I'm very anti uh, daycare and preschool and all of this stuff. Like I would rather homeschool my kids. My my ex won't let me, but like I think it's better to spend that time personally with them than have somebody else do it. I think if you're abandoning your kid regularly at that young age, I think it leaves a bad impression. I think they're going to turn out worse than if you actually spent the time with them one-on-one as they're getting older and that, and especially those developmental years. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that was my motivation. I took a huge pay cut because I came from marketing. I'm currently like I'm leaving money on the table because with what I do and what I teach, like me running a gym or opening a gym, like my time I would work would be like 3 PM to 8 PM. Well, that's the time I would be with my kids. Right. You know, so I would either have to sacrifice time with them or I'd have to force them to be at the gym and sacrifice their development of doing drama class, football, football, uh, flag football season, you know, soccer, volleyball, uh, all of those types of extracurricular activities. They either those would either get cut off or uh, my time with them would get cut off. So I take the hit. I'm living off of like savings mostly and I'm, I'm doing privates during the daytime and trying to make money online in order to make sure that I am spending time with my children. You know, when they get to that point where they're older and I can do other stuff, I mean, it means I'm probably gonna have to work later into my life, you know, later years of my life, but whatever, like that's more valuable to me to raise good kids and spend the time with the kids. Like why else are you having the kids at all? Like just to show them off? Is it like your your watch or your Louis Vuitton or your Tesla that you're showing off to people? Yeah. Or is it because you wanted the kids because you want to spend time with them? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I want to spend time with my kids. Yeah. 
I feel that so much, man. Like my boys are 13 and, you know, I say, um, you know, in uh, about four or five years, uh, I'll get more aggressive with, you know, some of this online stuff and traveling more. But, um, you know, like, so for example, I, um, I only do speaking engagements half the year, right? Cause during soccer season, I'm soccer coach yeah. and I'm at every single game. I'm at every single practice. Right. And, uh, I'm gonna put that time in now and then I'll worry about getting money later. You know, I think that's so important, but I think there's also like this, it seems like this cyclical relationship between men and women and raising children. Right. Because it's like, uh, the, the household and, and the upbringing of the children begins with the woman, mm-hmm. but now they're all defective men. And all they want to do is put the kid in daycare and go to work. Right. That's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of problems here. If it begins with the woman, but the woman is not complete without a masculine father, you begin to have this chaos, right? Mm -hmm. So it begins with the woman and ends with the man. And then the cycle repeats. Mm -hmm. But once you remove the man from the situation, you now have an incomplete woman. And then now that's where you have like the huge boom in OnlyFans, right? And, um, and sex work and sex it's a traffic. It's a psyop too, I think. You said what? It's a bit of a psyop too. What you mean? Because a lot of these women are convinced that, oh, all I got to do is like take dirty pictures and post it online and then I'll make a bunch of money. Yeah. There's only a small percentage of those women that actually make any money. And most of those accounts are run by their husbands or boyfriends. That's true. Yeah. There's a lot of e-pimps out there. Yep. Yeah. And the girls without e-pimps usually don't do too well. Yeah. Nope. And And the guys who are subscribing and chatting and trying to build connections with these these uh, only fans models are actually talking to their boyfriends or their husbands <laughs> yep you heard it guys you're not, you're not actually talking to the girl you're looking at a naked picture of a girl and sending her oh you're so beautiful that's her husband or her man typing <laughs> back to you thanks sweetie these dudes are um Keyboard bone in another man, huh? Yep. <laughs> and they're probably sitting there watching the the Dahmer doc, laughing at the the fool having this conversation, and they're both sitting there typing to you. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, where have we gone? Oh my <laughs> lord, have mercy. Um. So the income is also going to create a problem because, um. You know, not okay. So not all these women are making a hundred. You know, are making millions of dollars, but some of them are making six figures, right? And they, some of them. Some of them. Yeah. Um, and now they're kind of undateable, right? Because yep. they they're not going to date down, right? They have to date somebody with uh, higher income. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and and a lot of the guys that they want to date don't want to date them because you know we have a uh, biological hardwiring in us to have guaranteed um uh paternity yeah with women like it's it's the visceral feeling within us you know that we want to be sure that hey if we're putting time energy and our dna into this woman 
that child is going to be mine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. So that's where the uh, desire for men to have, you know, his woman be faithful is, is, is hardwired around. I want to make sure this child is mine. Yep. Cause mm. you're, it's not easy. Think about through evolution, like how hard it was to survive. Yeah. I remember like, I, I you know, I studied history in school. Um, I have a degree in education, PE and uh, history were my focus. And I, I've learned that through history, like there was a period of time in American history when parents didn't name their children until the second birthday because the odds of that kid dying were very high. It was like one in four kids died just because it was hard. Life was yeah. hard. Yeah. So when you have those type of odds with your, your, you know, family dying, like you want to make sure that it's yours. Mm, mm, just fuck my head up with that one. Um, didn't name a child to the second birthday. Wow. It just it just reminded me of this. Um, it's just the baby. Yeah, it's just the baby at that point, you know. And I yep. guess you know you're looking at the traits of the baby, and eventually you'll, um, you know, you'll uh, name them based upon whatever traits is. Oh wow, that's 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 really interesting. All right, so let's come back uh, a little bit in the conversation. Um, you and I grew up in a different time of day. Um, you know, back in my day, uh, I was the I was the cold approach guy. Uh, my friends would see a group of girls. We'd be hanging out the mall. We're all 16. And he'd be like, yo, Brian, um, see those girls over there? Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you go talk to them for us? Can, can, can you break the ice? I got you, bro. No worries. I go over there. I break the ice. And then next to, you know, a few weeks later, we all got girlfriends. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we'd find another pack of girls and we do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is high school for me. Um. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, the female company and uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I remember at one point um, I had 10 girlfriends and they weren't really girlfriends, but um, I was talking to 10 different girls right? Like, and I would call one. I'd speak to her for about 25 minutes. Then I'd hand the phone to my friend. And then while he was, you know, keeping her busy, asking her about her friends, I'd call the next one and we'd rotate like that. So this is back in the day where you actually had to have a little bit of personality to talk to girls because, yep. you know, mm-hmm. the only way to communicate was via phone. Now, yeah. the game's different. Way different. Um, you think you could survive in today's dating game? I had to. Oh. I had to. I got divorced like 2018. Mm-hmm. So I spent about four years on the dating apps and learning the ways. So I, my, my, girl, my, my background was I was, a, I was a blue-pilled alpha. Okay. I was the what guy is was what like, is a, oh. what the hell is a blue pill alpha? So I was a alpha personality because I was a jock. I was a leader. Like people respected me. Like I was the guy who all the teammates and everybody came to for for leadership and advice and like let's do it. Let's get this thing. I organized people. You know, I got the wrestlers up early in the morning. I had I had the janitor letting us in early at the school so we could do do cardio and stuff at the at the gym. You know, like that that was me. Okay. Uh, and I had that mindset of like, oh, you just have to lift yourself to a certain level and the girls will come. Well, well, guess what? They don't just come. Like, you still have to know game. You still have to be able to talk to them. Yeah. It's not enough just to be high value. Like, part of being that high value is actually talking to girls and knowing how girls operate. Um, and 
I made that mistake of, you know, you lift myself up to a high posi- position. Well, girls will manipulate you and one will latch onto you and they will extort as much <laughs> value out of you as possible. And if you don't gain the skills to um, talk to girls and understand women and understand their nature, like you're just setting yourself up for a big loss. Mm. Um, and this happens with a lot of, a lot of athletes, you know, they don't really understand because we, we, we call them naturals. Mm. Right? They're naturals. They naturally attract women. So mm-hmm. if you're a natural, you're gonna have a hard time really understanding women nature because it's like easy for you. It's yeah. like, you know, you just have to, you just have to uh, smile and look good and uh, be good at sports and the girls will come. Yeah. Uh, they may come, but they're not going to stay. Mm. You know? And uh, the ones who are really good and the ones that understand men will extract as much value from you as possible. And that can end up badly for you. All right. So I was, you know, kind of like this blue pill alpha. And then, you know, uh, I ended up getting divorced. I lost a good chunk of money. And then I, I found a uh, role to Masi <laughs> and I, and I started learning about women's nature and I started applying things that I had learned. And uh, I dated a lot of women in the last four years. And I used those skills to find a, a new girlfriend who I've got living with me now. And we're talking about kids. Hopefully next year, we'll probably start trying to have kids next year. Um, how, I don't mean to be all in your business, but how old is your girlfriend? She's 27. 27. How'd y'all meet? Um, Instagram. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yep. She, she, uh, she opened me on Instagram. What do you mean? She, she, oh, so she approached you. Open. Yes. Right. That's, that's the yep. common. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I, I gave her, um, you know, kind of, kind of, you call it kind of tests. You kind of judge their, uh, genuine desire for you. Okay. How'd you do that? All right. Genuine desire. Well, she lived in LA. Genuine desire. We should hang out. Okay. Fly up and see me. Mm. Is she she willing to pay the money to come see you? Okay. If she's not, she wants you to pay. It's not genuine desire. Mm. A Mm. girl who wants to be with you and wants to see you will climb through barbed wire to do so. She will drive 16 hours one way to spend 50 minutes with you. Mm. Right? This is true. So you have to pay you have to yeah, you have to pay attention to those things. And if you you can't see that, if you don't see genuine desire, mm-hmm. like it's it, the relationship's probably not gonna go well. Mm. Mm. So why did she approach you? Um because uh I passed we call pre selection. You know, she she had seen me uh, through fighting. She had known who I was because her older brother was a big fan of fighting. And, um, you know, she knew me through that and wanted to see me through that. And then I was able to secure her attraction through spending time with her. So, okay, so she opens you um, on Instagram. What'd she say? She said, uh, hey, you know, uh, what'd she say? Like, uh, nice fighting. (laughs) no she she had made a comment about um at the time i was posting um thirst trap photos of other girls that i just took off or whatever because it drove up engagement on my instagram okay okay um and she just made a comment about you know those other girls something about not being as pretty as the other girls or whatever Mm. some kind of something like that and it just opened started talking to her she was nice she came to see me and um she was really smart and you know, I dug her, so we kept 
talking and then you know it's almost been two years now what was the distance between la to san jose so okay what's that like four hours four hour drive five hour drive yeah but she would yeah she flew she flew out to see you yeah alaska airlines you can get 50 dollars tickets 70 dollars tickets she's like i'm going to fly see this mma fool yep i'm gonna secure this (laughs) interesting interesting instagram wow and uh, like yeah man so there's there's all kinds of uh but has tactics and skills and things that you can develop to be better at the at the dating apps but it's different i got really good at them but at the at the same time a lot of guys dating apps are just a they're just a no-go because people talk about the 80 20 rule Mm -hmm. dating but they get it wrong right they they say that uh you know 80% 80% of the women want the top 20% of men. No, it's 100% of the women want the top 20% of men. 80%, 80% of men are completely invisible to women. Mm. Mm. 80% of men are completely invisible to women. Yep. Mm. And when you hear women complaining about men this, men that, men are trash, they're talking about those top tier guys they're not even looking at they don't even consider those other 80 percent. they don't even consider them men those are just extra girls or girlfriends women so they just talk about the top 20 like this is these are these these are the men okay probably the top probably the top like two or three quite honestly because the top two or three they don't have to commit they don't have to you know they have multiple women who want them all time you had 10 girlfriends at one point yeah Right. That's yeah. you're you're on that top. You're in that top tier echelon. Yeah. You're in that one percent. Yeah. You're you're the guy they're talking about. Men are trash. Yeah, I absolutely. <laughs> I am. I am. I got a DM not too long ago and a woman said um, she just hopped in my DM was like, I want to suck your. I was like, oh, wow. OK, I've made That's it forward. Yeah, uh, I've made it. You know, um, yeah. Unsolicited nudes are always a shock. Oh, my God, bro. Bro. It's like have some dignity, girl. Like, what do you do when that happens? Uh, I usually I ignore. Okay, it's just because you get those like uh, the one-time videos that pop up sometimes. It's just yeah. like, why would you do that? Yeah, like you need Jesus. Yeah, I've had that happen um, a bunch of times. I've gotten unsolicited nudes. Um, I still get them. This one OnlyFans girl every once in a while. You know, we, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a joke now. You know, she like sends me her tits. I'm like, oh, thank you. Good morning. And then that's just it. Right? <laughs> but what's funny is uh, you got to comment on something in the background. So she <laughs> you to clean your room. They're like, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that nightstand? Or where'd you get that lamp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is wild. This is wild because, you know, a lot of times people say it's men sending unsolicited news. And it's, it, I'm sure men do it, you know, uh, way, um, way more often. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 But I think it's just like us, you know, you know, top one percent men who actually uh, get the privilege of receiving news unsolicited happens to me all the time. Um, well, I would say all the time. That's definitely exaggerating. But every once in a while, a chick is like, hey, check my tits out. And I'm like, oh, OK, this is interesting. Um, I just hate when they're ugly tits. I'm just like, why, why do I ever get the nice looking tits? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so like 
it's different for for a guy like yourself. You're a former champion, right? So yeah. women four are going time. to approach you. Four time, my bad, my bad. Mm -hmm. I also I'm I'm 44 years old. I still look, you know, better than most 25 year old guys. Yeah, especially yes. nowadays. Yeah, Paul's still in shape, home. still work out. Right, luxurious, luxurious long hair for the first time. <laughs> Let it hang. Pause. <laughs> I figured it hasn't turned gray yet, and it hasn't fallen out yet, so I just grown it. Yeah, yeah. So I feel bad for you know the twenty year olds, right? Because they're not competing with other twenty year olds. They're competing with John Fitch, right? For yep. for the women, um, they're competing with. You know, and that's the other thing about Instagram. Instagram has given um, women access to men and men access to women. It's just like open access to each other. Where it's a world market. Yeah. So, you know, a girl straight out of college, you know, why would she date a college guy when she can go straight for, you know, uh, somebody with a verified account? You know, he could be mm -hmm. a, a YouTube influencer. He could be, a, a, you know, a rock star or a rapper or athlete. Mm -hmm. So what of the guy who's 22, just graduated college, <laughs> I feel like they ain't getting no punani, man. It's harder, but it's still possible. Like you can still um, raise yourself to a certain level, like uh, situational and, and scenarios. You know, when you're out at clubs, you're out at bars, when you have uh, the college, college, college scene and you have, um, you know that network of people that you can you can uh, uh, talk to and be around. There's still plenty of opportunities to find girls and um, and get laid, right? But the advice I have younger guys follow or tell them to is like, don't worry about committed relationships in your 20s. Like your 20s is for hard, disciplined work, right? It's hard, disciplined work. It's not goofing around. It's not partying every weekend. It's not going to every drink special during the week. It's hard discipline work. You do not get to behave like the women around you behave or you will be left behind. Right. When you commit yourself to that hard discipline work in your 20s, that gives you a level of status in your 30s, right? When you hit 30, 35, now you, you've raised your, your value to a point where the 22-year-old the girls now look at you and they want you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of guys miss, you know? Yeah. Um, I think there's this there's this weird thing with our society too, where uh, people have been convinced that you're supposed to date somebody your own age. Mm. I think that's a mistake. Like women mature faster than men. Right. They do physically and mentally. They mature faster. Yeah. There's no reason for a 22 year old woman to settle down with a 22, 23 year old man. Mm. Not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying you can't have a great relationship. My brother and his wife they got together at freshman year of, of high school still together, two kids. They have a great relationship, awesome relationship. Not saying it's not possible. I'm saying statistically speaking, it's probably better you date somebody who's around 10 years younger than you as a guy, mm. right? When you get to 30, then you can start dating those girls who are getting at the end of uh, their college years. Mm. You know, put in hard discipline work until you're 35, start a family then. Yeah. How much does social status play into this? Because obviously there's, you know, financial Huge nowadays. Right. You, no, your your Instagram account is your resume. It's your dating resume. <laughs> Sorry to say it, it is 100%. You want you think that you think that you meet a girl out somewhere and you hit it off, 
she isn't going immediately to look up your socials. Yeah. She's looking at everything. She's reading through your tweets. She's going to see how you align politically, right? She's going to see if you've got any accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Going to be Google searching your ass, right? Yeah. Looking for criminal records, anything you might have done. And uh, she's going to look at your Instagram. Mm-hmm. What kind of life does this guy lead? Does he go on trips? Is he around cool people? Does he have other beautiful women around him? Like all of those things are, are things that matter to a lot of girls now. Not everybody. I'm not saying all women are like that. No. Mm-hmm. There's some that don't care at all. Mm-hmm. But they're going to be a lot harder to find. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go through a lot of girls to find the good ones. Otherwise, you'll, you're not going to know what you're getting. Yeah, that's that's key. I believe you know you. It's like finding a good job. You got to have a bad job before you know what a good job yeah. looks like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you got to have a horrible chick to know. Okay, I don't want that again. And you know, a mediocre like all right. I think we can get something a little bit closer. Um, you know, I always say um, a couple of things you need to understand before you uh, settle down is I think you need to under- you have a, have a firm grip of your political philosophy, your financial philosophy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's a big one. Financial philosophy. Yeah. And, um, you know, your, your health philosophy. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how do you how do you, um, you know, plan to um, keep yourself healthy? Right? I think these are, are, are important because uh, people get into relationships with people and you find out that they're not healthy financially, politically or physically, mm-hmm. um, but also religiously. Like what is your religious philosophy, your spiritual philosophy, yeah. I think is a is a hardcore one um, that people that, need to pay that, that can be to. really hard one these days too. really hard because, man, like which church do you subscribe to, you know, in the religion? Because like, you can be the same religion, but like it's a thousand one different church does things different, you know, one church has the rainbow flags outside the other church, you know, has, has, you know, a different take on things like which church, you know, that, you know, do you go to church? It's like, uh, which one, like, you know, I'm like, I grew up Catholic. Um, and I have a real issue with the idea that there needs to be a middleman between me and God. Mm-hmm. Like that I need to, uh, my church for me personally is the gym. Right. Okay. You know, I think I worship God best when I'm teaching other people how to make themselves better, how to make themselves more fit, how to teaching them how to fight. I feel that like I'm, I'm using my gifts from God to help other people. I think that's, that's more profound than me going and sitting in a building and listen to some other guy tell me about God who I already have a personal relationship with, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, there's ways you can still butt heads with somebody if you're in the same religion. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge one. Uh, Cause all this stuff is going to be passed down to your kids. So it's just like, you know, if you know, your wife thinks that, uh, you know, the rainbow is cool. She might teach that to your kids. Right. So you, you need to have, you need to be on the same page as, as uh, you know, uh, as, as your lady uh, in regards to that. Um, I got a very interesting question I want to ask you. Uh, they they change the history books. They're gonna rewrite history. Uh, this time period we're in now, especially politically. You know, your grandkids. How would you describe today's political climate to your grandkids? Because they're gonna read it in a textbook, and it's gonna say, "Hey, you know, Trump was bad, and you know, there was a rise in white nationalism and white supremacy and all this other stuff." How are you gonna describe that to your grandchildren? It's all lies. Like a lot of the stuff that we were taught throughout history has been lies. You know, 
Like I, I, I currently teach that to my kids now, you know, Hey, you know, the official story you get from the news and your textbook is only part of the story. There's something much deeper. I tell them like, I don't have all the answers and I don't think anybody really does. And you should be very skeptical of anybody who tells you that they have all the answers. Uh, we have little pieces of the puzzle and we have to try to put those pieces together ourselves and, and figure it out. I give my kids my opinion on matters, but I'm like, you don't have to, you don't have to think like I do. You don't have to believe what I, I believe. Like think for yourself, take the information you have and think about it. You don't have to commit to it for the rest of your life. You know, you're allowed to change your mind. You can take in new information and change it, but think critically, right? Always know that people are telling you uh, to the best of their ability, their knowledge of something, or they're, they could be possibly trying to manipulate you. So you're going to have to decipher things. You can't, you can't just blindly trust anybody. The only person you can trust is yourself and God. Indeed. Indeed. Um, we're going to go to Super Chats. Uh, Jabari Judy said, I'll catch the replay. Say prayers up for everybody who tap nation, our family and friends and everyone in this in this world may the most high God is during this time and accept forgiveness for all our transgressions. Hotep and Shalom. Oh man. Jabari Judah blessing us with a little prayer. Hope all is well, Jabari. I'll see you uh, tomorrow night for Hotep's been told you. Uh, Cassius Cam, he says, salute. Been a John Finch fan since the early days. I coach youth, youth boxing and we're trying to uh, secure a city contract for a new youth center. Any tips from Mr. Fitch to encourage more kids to train? That's a tough one um, because a lot of it is uh, up to the parents to allow them into the building to train, you know? Um, talking about why and helping people understand why it's important to know how to fight. And this is something I struggle with all the time. You learn how to fight you you need to learn how to fight not because you're going to go out and beat a bunch of people up not because you're going to use violence a bunch not because you're in danger 24 hours a day but because of the lessons you learn while you're learning how to fight um you're going to have to learn how to trust people because you have to trust your coach you have to trust your training partners you know you're going to have to learn how to read body language you know you're going to have to see uh, whether people are, are having a bad day, because even your training partners are going to have bad days. They're going to be upset sometimes. Their mannerism is going to change depending on how they're uh, how they're feeling on certain days. Um, but the most important thing is you're going to learn about being calm in stressful situations. Right? I, I did a podcast with Ed Lattimore, and he talked about how learning how to fight turns down the noise. It really turns down the noise. And that's a hundred percent right. Uh, when I was working with, I've been working with one of my privates for a little while now. He's 54. Um, he's ex military, right? Um, when we first start grappling, we start, start doing stuff on the ground. He's really tense. And he's like, he doesn't know what to do. And he's like freaking out. And, uh, he's not relaxed at all. Okay. A few months later, we've been, we've been training at least twice a week. I'm putting him in bad spots. I'm, I'm putting him in mount. I'm putting him in side control. I'm putting him in these positions where he has to be calm, be technical, and 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 um, find his way out of these positions. And like he's just his demeanor is just cool, cooler and more calm. He talks about being out at uh, public events and stuff, and like he's less worried because 
he's been in bad spots. You know, he's been in the situation where somebody who's who's 50 pounds heavier than him is throwing punches at him and he has to he has to cover and, and force a clinch. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm mounting him and I'm putting weight on him and pressure on him and he has to get out of those situations. You know, if you're if you're at a restaurant and they cook your steak wrong, you're not going to be as worried. You're not going to be as upset. You know, a lot of things are just kind of like, ah, okay, I get it. I, you know, stuff happens. Mm. And training how to fight and learning how to box or learning those things is going to help you do that. It's going to help you turn down that noise. It's going to help you be less anxious. You know, people who suffer from anxiety, I think they really need to get into some jujitsu. They need to put themselves in bad spots often. Mm. Wrestle. When, you know, I grew up wrestling. Like wrestling is, is just you're getting shoved in a bad spot after bad spot after bad spot and you have to fight through it and if you're freaking out if you're getting emotional if you're getting hot-headed you're going to get tired you're going to fail you're going to get taken advantage of you're going to get beat you've got to be calm and um you know calm and cool through it you got to be calm and cool through the fire and if you can get that point across to people and their students then that's where you're going to get more people signing up for your stuff. That's mm. kind of what my, my Twitter feed is kind of pushing people towards, like hoping you realize that you need to know how to fight a little bit. I do a, a YouTube uh, video series called Learn to Fight. I am on Rockfin too. And um, I take, you know, street fight situations or self-defense situations and kind of break them down to people, you know, because things happen. Bad things happen. There are people who have bad days. There are people who are overly emotional okay we live in an age of emotionalism right it's 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 feels before reels mm -hmm. so these people act out when you're an emotional person like there's chances of you acting out and, and doing something physical so like you're going to have to be ready for people who do that yeah yeah you know um like i said i coach uh kids sports and um the more i'm around these kids the more i realized you know, it's not them who needs mentorship. It's their dads. <laughs> yep. One hundred percent. Cause like I'm, I'm rehabbing the kids and I'm turning them into men and then they go home and then they come back to me and I got to redo my work. And I, and then, and then we have the parent coach meeting and I'm looking at a bunch of simps and I'm just like, Oh, or moms, right? Like moms are, are, mm -hmm. are there, right? And I'm just like, yep. I'm seeing, like my dad was a military dad. So, you know, mm -hmm. you talk about being a put on, under pressure. I, I grew up in pressure, right? I was born in it. Um, pressure makes diamonds. Yeah. So I put my boys under pressure. And, yep. Yep. You know, so I, 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 it's not, it's not always easy to do too. Like, it's hard. you know, like I've yelled at my kids a few times and the tears come up and I'm just like, man, that sucks. But yeah. like, it had to be done. It had to be done. Right. Right. You know, and that's what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Like, it's not very nice. Mm. You know, somebody, somebody who's more fem feminine in their, in their behaviors is, is not going to think that's nice and wouldn't do that. Mm. It, but it needs to be done. Yeah. Like sometimes I got to yell at them. It's Absolutely. the only thing that's going to snap them into, into, into shape and keep them from screwing around and, and pay attention to what's going on. Mm -hmm. I got this theory. Tell me if you agree. A man is not a complete man until he raises a son. 
I, I, I think you're spot on. I think um, there's a big, a big truth to that. Like how much you really know about life and, and who you are and, and being a man, if you can't raise a, uh, not just raising a son, but if you can't raise like a good son into being a good man, yeah. I think that's the ultimate test of your manhood. Like you could have all these like tests how, of being how do a man. Your kids turn out. It's <laughs> a big, big test. Yeah, I think that's the biggest test, and I'm seeing it more and more as my boys grow, and I'm like, my manhood's being tested. Like this is the ultimate test for me. Is you know how how are they performing? How are they handling pressure? And mm -hmm. so you sort of have to start to self-reflect in those moments where they buckle, right? Because you're going to fall. You're going to fail as a child. We all fail. So it's like, okay, now I have to self-reflect and say, okay, how did I overcome this, right? And then try to instill that in your son. So it's, it's sort of reinforcing your masculinity, when you're uh, forging a, a new young man. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I feel like men, and it's no diss to men who don't have sons. Um, I just, I just, I just think uh, when you have a son, uh, something, something just comes out of you. That's completely different. Completely different. Yeah. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, I've been teaching, uh, I got a group of um, high school kids that I've been teaching wrestling to on the weekends. And like, I feel like that is a great way to, uh, you know, kind of pass on this masculinity and these things, you know, because I can be a representation of, you know, maybe their fathers are missing something on, on some level. They've, uh, they've conceded too much, you know, death by a thousand cuts over the years, but I can stand up and be like, nope this is okay. It's okay to be like this. It's okay to want something, go after it with everything you got. It's okay to, it's okay to, you know, fight people, uh, so to speak. And I don't mean just go out and picking fights in the street, but like having the will to engage in a fight, that's something that many people don't have. And it's not always something, some guys are born with it. They really are. I've seen it. Some guys are born with that will to fight, but a lot of guys, you have to condition it into them, mm. you know? Um, not not giving up, not being willing to give up, even even when it's you know painted to be something that's impossible. There's no way this could happen, but you're willing to just say, "Okay, I'm gonna fight anyways." Yeah, yeah. Mm. So so true, so real. Um, Tom Kowalski said, "Picking fights, uh, UFC picks at seventy one percent, twenty twenty two. Shout out to Tom. Um, John, I also want to uh, ask you a favor. Um, talk to uh, Chad, Chad Lemoyne. I'll have him reach out. We want to do a written interview with you for menoforder.com. Is that cool? Yeah, we can do that. He send you some questions and you can just type them back. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think that's how he does them. Shout out to Chad. I'll, I'll get you guys connected. I would love to get a, a story on you for menoforder.com. Shout out to menoforder.com, uh, one of the uh, official sponsors of this channel. Um, and my great buddies run that. Uh, Cannon Hotep, he says, salute. Thank you for a fire conversation. Real talk happening here. Shout out to Cannon Hotep. If you guys are not following Cannon Hotep, make sure you follow him on Twitter and YouTube. Jay Pylon, he said, you picking Silver or Paul? Oh, man. 
like it. Anderson Silva is a great fighter. He's yeah. had some boxing experience. He's really good. But he's also 22 years older than Paul. And he's he's been knocked out. He's had you only have, you know, your 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 chin is like a piece of granite. And every time you get knocked off, it's a it's a big chunk taken off and it gets easier to get knocked out. It's I, I I'm leaning. I want I want Silva to win. I really want Silva to win. But the age discrepancy is a big deal. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it makes a difference, and not just because of you know you're slower, but he's had a lot of fights. He's taken a lot of punches. He's had a lot of concussions. Yeah. Um. He's he's a little bit slower than he used to be. Mm-hmm. Um. He's definitely probably the most skilled fighter that Jake Paul's ever fought but he's also old so it's to me it's a coin toss I'm sorry mm. to say yeah I think it's a coin toss well let's talk about that they're also I don't think that the drug testing protocols are all that <laughs> rigorous <laughs> I don't think they're gonna be all that rigorous for this fight either oh uh, okay so Jake Paul is that the one that fought Askren yes and okay. Woodley and Woodley, right? He he yep. knocked Woodley out, right? Twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> and I, Woodley, you know, same thing. Woodley's had some. He's taken damage. These guys, Askren and Woodley are smaller too. They're smaller guys, right? So you've got smaller guys who've who've taken damage, who've been knocked out. Askren, I think, was just taking a payday. I don't even know if he trained for that fight. I don't think he trained. <laughs> um. Oh. Yeah, I don't think he trained at all. And he, he was like coming off a hip surgery. Yeah, he came out there straight. Dad, he had, bar. He had, his hip, he had a hip replacement surgery. Did he? Yes. Mm. Yeah, I think he's got like a seventy-year-old's hip. <laughs> why can't Why can't people beat Jake Paul? Is it because he's getting fake competition, or is he really a good fighter? Uh, he's he's not fighting. You know, I mean, Ben Askren's a wrestler. He's always been a wrestler. He right. gets in close, takes you down. He he does funky stuff to beat you up on the ground. Yeah. Um, Woodley has a right hand. He's a wrestler with a right hand. If he doesn't land the right hand, he doesn't have much else. Um, and, you know, he's got a suspect chin. He's also was given up probably 10 pounds to uh, to Paul. You know, he's he's somebody who's done a great job of taking advantage of uh, the um, – notoriety that he has to get big paydays and put on these big fights but uh, it's you know time will tell when he fights an actual boxer on his level when he fights somebody who's had you know 10 fights and 10 uh, is 10 and 0 like then then we'll see Mm. but um he's not awful Mm -hmm. he's got a right hand and he's usually looks pretty geared up is he good for the sport bad for the sport because there's a lot of controversy. I'm saying, oh, he's just uh, an exhibitionist fighter. It doesn't, and... it doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't do anything to boxing. Mm. It really doesn't. Because the people who are watching it, watching the circus show, they're not regular boxing fans. Right. You know, the, the guys who are diehard boxing fans, aren't, aren't, they don't care. They're not paying attention to it. It's, it's pro wrestling fans and MMA fans and whoever uh, the Paul brothers have following them. So oh, yeah. it doesn't do anything for the sport. It doesn't mm. do anything for MMA or boxing. It's just its own battle of the stars type thing. Mm. You had the YouTube creators clash was another big boxing event. It was a bunch of YouTube creators fighting each other. Okay. Yeah. They, they did pretty good numbers. They made some money, but it doesn't, it's not going to do anything to boxing. Right. People, people say boxing's dead, but that's just a promoter 
ploy at uh, discrediting the Ali Act. The truth is boxing is making more money now than it did um, ever. It's making, you know, so like, how do you, how do you say that's dead? It's ridiculous. It's like saying uh, John Nash is a reporter who covers the, 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 the money end of, of the businesses a lot. And he said, boxing's dead the same way that major league baseball is dead. Okay. Mm. People have more options to watch other things. So viewership may not be where it was in the sixties and seventies or whatever, but they're making way more money than they ever have. Mm. Like the money they're making keeps going up every year. So how could you say it's dead? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I think it was the total revenue, the total revenue the boxers made the boxing made in 1998, uh, somewhere over 400 million, like 430 million or something. That's a total adjusted for inflation, adjusted for inflation. It was like something like 430 million. And, um, that's total. That's what was made this last year in boxing, uh, in pay-per-views alone. Mm. so the numbers have gone up the numbers yeah. have only gone up so boxing's like you could say it's less popular we don't really have the numbers because although all the viewerships on different platforms and different apps now right. so it's harder to track versus pay-per-view but like they're making more money mm. you know it's like how can you make that argument that it's dead if everybody's making more money promoters managers fighters everybody in the industry is making more money to me that sounds like it's successful right Right, right. Mm. What's your YouTube channel about? Official John Fish. I have a, a number of things going on in my YouTube channel. I have John Fish Knows Nothing is my podcast. I do live on Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. I cover a lot of the fights, and then I talk about a lot of the dirty pool, and um, you know, I'll pick a subject because sometimes there's no fights or the fights just aren't that great, and I'll talk about a certain topic, subject, or I'll open things up to do uh, free consultations to people who okay. want to ask, you know, fitness and uh you know red pill type type questions um i do a uh, learn to fight video once a week where i break down uh you know street fights for people telling them what should have happened what you know what should have happened what could have happened you know uh, best practices type thing and then i uh i do a weekly technique video i put up uh on wednesdays so i'll have something that goes live later today um thinking about adding another another uh another uh segment to the channel but um i'm just so frustrated with with youtube and the censorship and i'm i'm like shadow i've been like shadow banned on so many platforms for a long time because i've always like retweeted and commented on political stuff i've, I've been stuck at the same uh twitter following for like 10 years i've been at like 130 some thousand yeah like it goes up a little goes down goes up a little but i just it just it won't break that 130 whatever i'm getting close to 137 138,000 that would be like my all-time high yeah but uh we'll see when elon takes over if that changes anything i'm on restrictions like they even told me on instagram i'm restricted my account's restricted um if you go to my account and try to follow it john fitch smash they'll ask you they'll say are you sure you want to follow this account it regularly posts false information yeah i've seen that before you can't, you can't tag me like they'll question you are you sure you want to tag you want to sure you want to tag this person yeah like, I'm, I'm a dangerous content provider yeah it all started with a um uh spider-man meme really actually there's two spider-man memes one was he's standing up talking in front of the whiteboard and the whiteboard's like says uh, uh the people who put us $30 trillion in debt, want to give you a credit score. <laughs> and they're like, this is false information. <laughs> and the other one was the three Spider-Men pointing at each other. Yeah. And it was like COVID, the flu, and like whatever. Yeah. 
and and they're, they're all pointing at each other they're like this is false information yeah 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 some of that stuff you got to be careful with because 19 just, you know the uh ministry of truth is going to come down on you with the hammer yeah man with it's the, so creepy with the with, yeah it is yeah it definitely is um shout out to top korea. lobster we live in north korea man <laughs> damn near close to it shout out to top lobster top lobster is the official artwork guy for our channel he does all the thumbnails um, he said, who's your pick for Makayev versus Olachev? Makachev. Makachev, yep. Yeah. Uh, I've trained with Islam here at AKA. I, I, I have to lead, go lean towards him. He's he's really tough. He's young. He hasn't had as much damage and, and he hasn't gotten, you know, knocked out or had gone through as much physically as Oliveira. But I think I think he's going to edge it out. I think he's going to win. It's going to be a great fight because Oliveira is top dog. He's awesome. He fights hard everywhere, you know. He can fight hard from his back. He can fight hard from his stand up. Doesn't give up. Doesn't doesn't quit. Doesn't give up positions. Doesn't doesn't pause. He's always moving. So he's he's a he's a good watch. Um, is man, it's, is it's, it's going to be a good fight? It's going to be a good fight. Is is Makachev one of those Russian Islam guys? He's Dagestani. Yep. Yo, them dudes is something different, bro. Yep. Like I know wrestling, right? My uncle is uh he was a state champ wrestler, referee. He got me into wrestling when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um but these guys is a different type of wrestling. It's like their grandma was a wrestler. <laughs> yes, it's like all they did you know, it was kind of like to keep them away from uh the 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 bad part of Islam, you know, like the the crazy warring whatever stuff. It's like they would it's like part of the church kind of. Mm. Um a part of the mosque. You know, let's like get these kids off the streets. Let's get these kids in these programs. So, like, they're all wrestling early uh, over there. And one of the big advantages that these guys have is that they do um, sambo, combat sambo, which is basically MMA um, with with shin pads, you know, bigger gloves, a gi top, and 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 you know, sparring headgear. So, they're doing MMA from a young age, basically. Because all the changes is they take the extra stuff off and they put them inside of a, a in an enclosed area because uh, combat sambo is on an open mat. Okay. Right. So yeah, if you're your your followers have them, uh, just Google combat sambo and okay. you watch some of that stuff. It's incredible, and they're basically fighting straight up fighting from a young age, so they're used to it. They're using judo skills, wrestling skills, and uh, kickboxing skills from a very young age and competing and. When you do that, like it puts you ahead of everybody else because everybody else is um, starting with one discipline. You know, they're wrestling, they're doing kickboxing or they're doing judo or they're doing something boxing like that. And then when they get to a certain age, then they start learning the other stuff. Mm. Well, these guys have just been training fighting for a long time. Hold on, I'm about to bring the um, the combat sambo up on the screen so people can see it. Okay, maybe not that browser. Maybe this one. I want people to see this. Because when I saw um, Normachev, how you say his name? Makachev. No, not him. Khabib. Khabib. Nurmagomedov. Yeah, Nurmagomedov. Yeah, that. Um, and I watched him fight. And I forget what fight it was. But I watched him dissect this guy on his back. Mm -hmm. Like, the dude... Like, 
Khabib went from, okay, we're locking in the legs, okay? Now I'm going to lock in his right arm, okay? We've got that locked in. Now I locked in. This dude was basically like this by the time Khabib was ready to um, submit okay. him. He was a technician. And, and I feel like they know something that other people in wrestling don't know. Oh, this is funny. I've, you guys yell on screen. I've, that's Khabib, and I've, I've trained with the other guy, too. He's from Moldova, I think. Is he? Wait, what did I do? Why did I? I think this is his last, um, his last national championship. Is that what that is? I think this is what it is. Yeah, but this, yeah. So this is their amateur sport that they've been doing for a very long time. Mm, and they do it with a gi on. Yep, they got the gi top. Right. So that's why you'll see a lot of uh, nice judo trips and sweeps from the feet from these from these Dagestanis. Mm. Yeah, you know, one of my goals in life is to go out there, Russia, and train with those guys and um, for like two years and then come back and just be a badass. I'm going to come train with you first just to get me ready hey, to do you're that. You're going to be, you're either coming back as a badass or dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth the risk. <laughs> it's worth the risk, you know, I, yeah. as a man. But I mean, you, know, you can see just like, that's their amateur. That's, that's what they're coming from. You yeah. know, like that's, that's like, we know we have guys who have to learn how to put the things together well they're they're doing it at a young age we don't have an amateur system like that that's why these guys i said it 10 years ago when khabib and these guys first showed up at aka yeah. i was like these guys are going to take over the sport mm. like we can't compete with this these guys are training mma like hardcore at, at five years old it's like how are how are americans going to deal with that we're not yeah you know you got people saying oh wrestling's gay i'm not going to do that well you grappling that's not a fight yeah okay try to fight, like, try to fight yeah as, as, as you're getting beaten to death by somebody who took you down has you mounted you, yeah. yeah you're gay you're gay you're not really fighting as you get pummeled to death like, <laughs> that's not gonna that's not gonna help you out much buddy oh my god even makachev i watched uh i think it was his last fight and um his corner uh i don't know what they said but he was, you know, some of the fight, I, I, I think he wanted to prove himself on his feet. And he was yeah, throwing a lot. Yeah. He was throwing a lot. And they were like, look, end this fight for this dude knocks you out. And then he took him to the ground and just ended the fight. Um, yeah. It, 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 that's that's kind of like the philosophy is like play to your, towards your strength, obviously. Yeah. 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 But it is like they, they incentivize. It's part of the, it's part of the mind, uh, you know, the mind games they play with you is they incentivize the stand and bang stuff. Right, one of the reasons they do that is because with the small gloves on, one the one guy who lands that one clean punch the first time a lot of times wins the fight. And it's not necessarily that he's the better fighter. Right. And what that does is it that works in the promoter's favor because um you you lose a fight, you don't you don't get the pay bump the next time. You're also at risk of being cut from the organization. They'll also be able to easily say that, oh, you're not that good. You got you got knocked out or whatever. So what the promoters hate is somebody who continually wins, keeps winning, keeps winning, keeps winning. Because that guy keeps getting paid more and he gets more, more and more power. He gets more leverage. Mm. Right. The more fights you win a lot in a row, the more leverage you get. Right. And the only time you really have guys who win a bunch of fights in a row is because they give them fights that they can win because they're trying to get into a uh, a market. Right. 
So Anderson Silva went on a huge streak because they really wanted in the Brazilian market. Mm. Okay. They had, uh, um, they were pushing Dan Hardy real hard. They're pushing Michael Bisping real hard in the English market. Mm-hmm. Right. Then they get Conor McGregor. They pushed him really hard right. to get into that, that UK market. You know, um, Conor did come through and win two huge fights that kind of cemented him as, as a top dog. And that was the fourth, uh, fight over Aldo. And then the, um, the 155 pound championship too. He went to, you know, the, the two championships. So like, you know, he, he, uh, seized it up with the opportunity that he got, but they generally, they don't want somebody to win a bunch of fights in a row. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know, you and if you become, if you become champ and you defend your championship, then you get percentage of pay-per-views mm. and they don't, they don't want that either. Right. Because it cuts into they, they want you to win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and then they get rid of you and get somebody else for way less money. Mm, interesting. Wow. Okay. It's business, right? Um, dirty, dirty business. Dirty business because yeah. it's, it's super monopolized. The whole from the bottom up, it's just corrupt. Mm. When mm. you when you build the business model on corruption, yeah. everything else that happens is is corrupt. Yeah. Who was that black dude that was in the? He was winning like the whole first five rounds recently. I think it was UFC, and then the fifth round came around. He got knocked out. Man, um, I can't remember. It was like maybe two or three months ago. I forget. And that's the first thing that came to mind. Chad will probably remember. Uh, that's the first thing that came to mind when you said the whole you know win lose win lose win lose. And um, it wasn't the heavyweights. I forget who it was. Um, but yeah, um, it, 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 now it makes sense. Like I'm sure the uh, promoter was like, "Yes, he lost, right?" And I guess that's like th- what Don King was thinking about too. With guys like Kamaru, that's who it was, Usman. Oh, Kamaru Usman, yeah, yeah. Like he was winning the whole fight, then he got knocked out. What, what's going to come of him? I guess. And he's he's a uh, he's a wrestler, you right. know. Keep it keep it close, dominate, keep him in the fence. And when he does that, he was great. But then he probably felt that. He um he was comfortable, comfortably ahead. He won all the rounds. He he relaxed for half a second and then bink, head yeah. kick. Yeah. And in MMA and, and and Muay Thai and kickboxing, if you slip a punch and you move your hands out of the way, that foot's coming. Mm. Right? You can't you can't slip like in boxing. Boxing is just hands, so you can you can slip and drop your hands, uh Mayweather style. But you do that in MMA. You're getting you're getting kicked in the head. So what are you supposed to do? You got to keep your hands up as you slip. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And you saying in boxing, taking... you, in boxing, you can kind of get away with dropping your hands a little bit. Yep, because mm. you don't got to worry about the feet. Right. Mm. I think that's why Mayweather will have a hard time adjusting because it's so in him to slip like he yeah, does. Yeah, he would never. His like the boxing stance doesn't work in MMA because you're 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 turned more. So your your lead leg is 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 turned more pronounced, and your foot's pointing more a different direction. It's fine because it limits the uh, the areas Area. you can strike in boxing. But like I could just leg kick the shit out of you all day. <laughs> yeah, like you wouldn't even be close enough to me to throw your jab because right. I would just leg kick, leg kick, leg kick. Three, four, five of those, you're done. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, he better not even try. Um, Cannon Hotep said, Hotep Jesus or Tariq Nasheed? Just kidding. I was a wrestler in one of the hardest sports I ever competed in. Yeah, man. Yeah. I would not want to fight Tariq, Tariq, uh, Tariq Nasheed. I think he's probably a heavyweight or 
or uh, he's definitely a hundred pounds heavier than me. So I don't I don't want no sauce with that guy. Um, uh, if, he's, if he's slow, you can just leg kick him. He said, "Leg kick him, move. Leg kick him, move." Yeah. And he, he falls to the ground and then choke him out on the ground. Once you're on top. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna come train with you, man. We gonna we gonna get right. You are gonna see what I'm able to do, and then we gonna go from there. Um, you got some courses, right? You got some courses to teach people. Yeah, I got uh, some stuff up on Gumroad. What I do is when I go and I do seminars, I'll mm-hmm. record them and then I, I put them up uh, on Gumroad so people can can uh, you know if they can't access me personally, they can they can still see some see my seminars. They can download my seminars and, and, and check out the technique. But I've also learned that it's hard to teach people uh, fighting stuff through the screen. So I've also uh, done a lot with uh, fitness so i have a lot of fitness programs also you know the cardio stuff i do for for being a fighter uh the lifts i do because you know when i was lifting and fighting uh early in my career i realized that you know the traditional ways of lifting like a bodybuilder or uh, a football player did not work for martial arts because we're doing you know three four workouts a day Mm. and if you're like lifting to failure like you're you're done for the rest of the day right like you can't you can't squat heavy go to failure and then expect to to train three more times in that day it's not going to happen right so i had to i had to create uh my own system for martial arts and then i realized uh coaching people online that uh it works well too for for people who are like day laborers Mm. because i had some guys who were uh like plumbers and they got to carry pipes and like heavy crap all day long and they're working a 10-hour day and they still want to be able to lift and be in shape and get the benefits from that but you can't have them on a a a traditional program like a bodybuilder because like they're wiped out they can't go and and uh you know if they're if they're electrician they can't pull cables all day the next day if you've you've destroyed their arms or their their back or their legs right so um i've created a system that's more about um uh what do you call it being a consistent it's more about consistency right it's more about making sure you hit your lifts uh every day you know i lift six days a week but i'm only lifting three four lifts a, a day mm-hmm. so broken it up and um i even put together a, a resistance band course so like mm-hmm. um you don't even need to go to a gym you can just get the rubber bands you can get those rubber bands for like 40 bucks yeah you can you can travel with them. I when I fly somewhere, I'll take them with me so I can work out in my hotel room. I've taken them to the beach to do my workout. Mm. Yeah, they work pretty great. Interesting. No, you're right about the consistency because um, I knew I was going to be on a Joe Rogan experience uh, for a second time this year, mm-hmm. and um, my workout regimen, just so I could look good on camera, was just 50 push-ups a day. <laughs> like, I well, mean, I, I think a little bit helps, man. Like walking 20 minutes a day can change a lot of people's lives. Mm absolutely you know just just a little extra burn and the big thing with like burning fat and being lean isn't cardio Mm. it's resistance training Mm. right you want you want to get abs you want to get you know that that sinew you want to get that division in your muscle like that's not cardio i need abs man what i gotta do to get abs uh diet is the most important thing it is it's the hard one. You can't outrun a bad diet. You can't outlift a bad diet. You can't outfight a bad diet. Yeah. You know, that's and not what the, I wanted to hear, John. With the stuff that they put in our food these days, holy moly! I was like, the, I was reading through some ingredients uh, at Costco yesterday, trying to find. You know, I'm trying to find more whole foods 
for the kids to eat for snacks rather than processed, you know, goldfish crackers or whatever. I'm trying to find whatever. Yeah. And there was bags of, there's like six different options for bags of dried mangoes, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, it's a mango. Like, why do you need like 15 ingredients right. on your mango? And I finally found one. It was an expensive one, of course. It was just dried mangoes. I was like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> At least this one. There's one that's just. I was looking at beef jerky too, and none of them. They all had. They either had soy or uh, some kind of seed oil on them, or mm-hmm. canola oil. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? It's it's dried meat. Yeah. What are you doing? Salt, <laughs> and you dry it out. Mm-hmm. Like that's all you need. Mm-hmm. But they add all this extra stuff in there, and I just, I don't get it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? I'm coming out with a new product soon. It's going to have some ingredients on it. So um, people are going to really enjoy what they see on the back on the back of that package. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, everybody, that's that's uh, breaking news. Hotep Jesus is coming out a new product. So look out for that. Um, yeah, John, all your links in the description box below. Your YouTube is there. Your Twitter is there. Your website is there. So people can connect with you. They can purchase their product, uh, your products mm-hmm. and uh, get their life in the shape. Uh, let me just yep. double check. Make sure we I do. That. I do uh, consultations too with people. Okay. Know? Because a lot of a lot of you know fitness and relationship stuff mm-hmm. is um, you need accountability or you just need somebody that can uh, let you know. Like I, I was working with this guy who was going through a divorce, right? And mm-hmm. he started to date again, and he kept, um, you know, he was telling me about the girls he was dating, and he kept making the same mistake, like he had kids from a previous relationship. So for some reason in his mind, he thought he could only date single moms. And I had to ask him, I was like, why, why is it you keep just dating? Two moms? He's like, well, I have kids myself. I was like, well, you, you understand you don't have to date an, another single like parent like yeah. yourself. You can date whoever you want. And he was just kind of like, he'd never had anybody tell him that before. What? Yeah. I would never date it a was, single mom. It was, it was shocking to him. He was like, Oh, huh that's that's a really good point like i could see his whole world just kind of like changed in that instance i was like you don't have to do that Mm, that's that's really weird you have you have permission to date who you want to date i can't even look at the instagram you don't have to date somebody your own age and you don't have to date somebody you know who's in the same situation as you with kids or whatever yeah that's so weird because like you know instagram is going to feed you a bunch of hot chicks right so you click on their profile you see whatever and sometimes i click on a profile and it'll be like mom in the bottom like nope can't even look i can't even look at a woman who has a child i'm just like oh you have kids (laughs) it's just a huge turn off bro (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why (laughs) yeah not interested um ladies and gentlemen john fitch John, go ahead, get out of here. Uh, thank you for um, uh, joining me on my channel, and I'm gonna have uh, Chad reach out to get a uh, an interview with you on uh, men, uh, men of Order. Really, thanks a lot for having me, man. I've been following you for a while, and uh, really enjoying your takes. It's awesome, awesome to connect. Appreciate it, man. I'm growing, and uh, it takes gonna keep getting better. Awesome, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you. I have to. Uh, I have to have you on my show sometime. Anytime. Let me know. Yeah, man. You, uh, yeah, like uh, we can watch fights. I'll tell you some fights to watch or something, and we can we can talk about the fights after. Yeah, hey, when I get my product up, let's go ahead and um, let's yeah. uh, get an interview scheduled. I'll reach out when we get an interview scheduled. Awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. All, All right, right bro. Man. Great day. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take it easy.